1: Five six one six one six twenty. What are those people talking about? you got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations and now wtmj 's Jeff Wagner, good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Um, well, the NFL is probably not popping its buttons over this. The NFL training camps are supposed to open up at, at the end of this month and. Of course, what, what they're hoping is that they're going to be able to play an NFL season starting in early September. Presumably, people will not be allowed into the stadiums, or at least not many people will be allowed in. But as we've talked about on this program before, look, nobody wants to see sports come back more than me. I, I'm I'm excited about the, the Brewer season starting at the end of the month. I'm excited about the Bucks trying to finish their season beginning at the end of the month. I am just. I'm not rooting for failure. I am just skeptical that they're going to be able to to pull this off because it seems to me inevitable that you will have teams that end up getting hit with positive results from COVID-19. It's just... I think it's unavoidable, you know. But let's take Major League Baseball. You're going to have the players that are going to be traveling from city to city. They're going to be staying in hotels. They're going to be interacting with the general public. They're going to be let's look, let's understand the reality. They're 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 not going to be prisoners. They're going to be going out to places that are open to get uh, to get things to eat or maybe work out or whatever. I just think it, it's inevitable. What you're going to have is a couple of the guys are going to get sick, and then they're going to give it to other people in the locker room, and I think that's going to happen on a number of teams. And I hope I'm wrong. I'm not rooting for it. It's just it seems to me the reality. Same thing with the you know NBA. They're trying to resume the season, and I understand they're they're talking about a bubble and the 22 teams that they're bringing back are going to be playing all their games and staying at on the Disney World property. But it's not a prison camp you know darn well that some of the players are going to go to the clubs or they're going to go out and they're, they're going to try to interact with fans or women or, or whatever. They're going to be out in public, and, you know, all it takes is one person to get sick, and then they're going to bring it back and they're going to spread it. And, again, the, the good news is that for most of these professional athletes, they're young and they're really good shape, and probably, you know, they'll get sick, and then in a few days they'll, they'll be better. And and that's, that's the good news, but they could spread it to people and they're not obviously going to let people play while this is going on. So I, I just, I hope it works. I, I'm just skeptical. And, you know, the NFL in, in particular, I, I just, I'm trying to understand how this is going to work because you're talking about large numbers of players. They're going to be traveling. You know they're going to be interacting again with the public. And um, this is why the, the NFL is probably not that happy about this. Bruce Arians is the head coach, the current head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, of course, Florida is one of the epicenters now for the spiking of coronavirus. So um, Arians, the coach of the Buccaneers, is giving a press conference, I, I think, yesterday. Now, Arians is sensitive to this issue, particularly because he's 67 years old. He's one of the older head coaches in the NFL. And we all know that the older you get, the more vulnerable you are to bad reactions. On top of that... Um, he, he's had procedures over the years to remove cancerous tumors. So he's in an even higher risk group. And so they're, they're asking him about, well, you know, how do you think, you know, COVID-19 is going to affect the team? And he says, well, look, here, here's the reality. The players, they're all going to get sick. That's for sure. Not some of them. They're all going to get sick. It's just a matter of how sick they get. Um, okay, well, that may very well be the reality. Uh, if it is, and they're all gonna get sick, I- I'm not sure how you can go ahead and have an NFL season. Again, I'm, 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 I'm rooting for an NFL season to happen, but I wonder what the, the contingency plan is if you've even got the coaches saying, well, these guys are all going to get sick. Uh, speaking of, of how things have changed and the different protocols, I mentioned this a minute or two ago. I was at the dentist yesterday and today for the first time since dentists reopened in in June. Um, what what happened was I went home yesterday afternoon and I, I was just chewing on something and I, that that inevitable. Oh, I, I just bit down on something hard and in my. Back molar, back upper right molar, and it was a tooth that I had chipped a number of years ago, and it had a big filling in it, and I, I'd been living with it for a long time, and lately, when I'd been biting down on it, I'd kind of get a twinge, not a pain, but just this twinge, but, you know, you know, you just kind of play through this and just wait for something bad to happen, and yesterday... I took off a big chunk of this tooth. The filling comes out and a big chunk of the tooth comes out. When when the dentist looked at me, and he said I said I took a big chunk out of the tooth. He said, "Yes, you certainly did." So, so anyhow, it's it's like 345, and I've got this huge chunk of the tooth, and it's not hurting, but um, I, I've been with my particular dentist since the early 1980s, and we're, we're friends, and my mom used to be the office manager there. So I'm like, okay, let, let me just see what I can happen. So I, I text him, and I call I call up, and I say, can, can you just see me and see what, what I've done this time? And he, he was good enough to stay after work and, and come. He said, I, I can't work on you, but I can I can see what this is, and we can figure out a plan of attack. So I drive over to the dentist's office, 530 yesterday. I, I pull into the parking lot, and what they're doing is people are not allowed in the waiting room. There's like nothing in the waiting room. It, it's kind of like when you pick up a pizza. I pull into the parking lot, and a guy you know, like with a surgical outfit and a mask comes out to the car and he says, okay, you know, who are you here to see? What, what's the deal? And they got a list. And I said, I'm Jeff Wagner, et cetera. And he says, okay, great. Yeah. They're, they're expecting you. You're on, you're, you're on the list. And then they give me this questionnaire to fill out saying whether or not I've, I've had, you know, any of the symptoms of COVID. Then once they're ready for me, you know they, they come out and they get me and they bring me in and before I can go in, I have to have my uh, pulse ox checked, you, know, you take your finger, and you put it in this little machine and then they they do the temperature scan and I passed and I went in and and so yesterday they they said, you know, they took a look at me and said, yeah, you, you need a you need a you need to have a crown on this And he was willing or able to come in really early this morning so to to, to do the work for me, which I appreciate greatly. but it's just amazing. So it's seven o'clock this morning going through the same process, you know, you're you're scanned, your temperature is checked, you get back into the, you know, the dentist chair. The chair has it, you you will remember this if you were a certain age, like your your grandparents. Like my grandparents, they, they have living room furniture and they wanted to preserve the furniture so there's like plastic on the furniture. You you didn't actually sit on the couch. You sat on the plastic that that was it and 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 like the chair has plastic on it or, or some covering. You're not actually sitting on the chair. You're sitting on on the covering. And they give you this this mouthwash that you're supposed to like swish for for sixty seconds to try to kill any germs that might be in your mouth. Ma- and your mouth. And, and then the, the dentist comes in and his assistant come in and they're they're just. I mean it looks like you know they're getting ready to do open heart surgery i mean there's all the there's masks and there's gloves and there's all these different things and and then, so okay we, we have this dialogue, and then what happens is when they start to work on me, both of them pull out these these giant uh, visors, these plastic visors. And it, I mean, I, I just, I started to laugh. I said, uh, I said, just so you understand, I, I feel like I'm getting ready for a moonshot here. Like we're ready to go out in outer space. And they, they're saying, yeah, this is, this is kind of the thing. But it's just this sort of surreal experience that, that's there as, you know, you're, you're working through like the moon masks and stuff. And I, I think it's just going to be the new normal moving forward. And I was talking to my dentist and he said, well, you know, this is, I said, when I started practicing dentistry, you know, we we didn't wear gloves, <laughs> you know, we, you know, and, and then, you know, there, there was, then we, we recognized, he said it was during, you know, a couple of the health concerns, we everybody had to start wearing gloves, and now people, everybody wears masks and all those different types of things, so um, I, I was, it was just, it was just kind of a surreal experience, so if you haven't been back to the dentist yet, just, just be, be prepared, and, and actually, I mean, I, I feel good about it. I mean, there's clearly, you know, they're taking precautions and and clearly, I mean, there's only so much you can do as the patient because they're working in your mouth. But I I don't mind people taking my temperature and checking my pulse ox and having me, you know, gargle with some of this disinfectant stuff. I, I think that that's perfectly reasonable. Um, but I tell you, it, it's a different world, and I don't think it's necessarily going to be changing anytime soon. All right. When we come back, would you buy the book? I will explain.
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Unless a court stops it next Tuesday. A book written by Mary Trump, she is the niece of Donald Trump, is going to be released. It is a tell-all memoir about growing up um, in the Trump family. It is very, very hostile to the president. Um, It's called um, Too Much is Never Enough. Um, And again, I I mean, I've been reading some of the reviews about it. it. It's a very, very no surprise, unflattering portrayal of the president. There is no way, regardless of how you feel about the president, that I would spend one dime on this book. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I mean, here's the history of this. Um, Mary Trump, the woman who wrote the book, again, she's Donald Trump's niece. She is the daughter of Fred Trump Jr., who was the oldest son? Donald was the second son, and Fred Trump Jr. was uh, he the dad? The dad wanted him to be in the family business. He didn't want to be in the family business. He wanted to be a commercial pilot. And so he, he refused to be a real estate developer and tried to get a job and I think flew for a while with TWA. He he was an alcoholic. He ended up dying early, but he was a, a disappointment apparently to to the father. And then Donald became the, the, the chosen one. That's kind of the background. And this is a book that talks about the, the dysfunction in the family. And, and she's got issues because what happened is After the dad died, her grandfather died, it it was learned that he cut her father out of the will. I mean, she got like $200,000 in in the will, but she didn't get, you know, her her father... Her father didn't get his 20% share of, is one of five siblings. He, he was cut out. So she got a couple hundred grand, but didn't get access to all the bigger money. So she's unhappy ab- about this. And, you know, she's clearly got an axe to grind and, and she's apparently grinding it. And I, I've, I've got a description of this. They released the book to the New York Times. And, you know, it, again, it's it's got all that sort of family angst and family drama that goes uh, along, you know, with this. Um, here, here's the first couple paragraphs of what the New York Times writes today. For most of her life, Mary L. Trump was shunted aside by her own family. Her uncle, President Trump, for years looked down on her father, his own brother, Fred Trump Jr., an alcoholic who died when she was a teen. Her grandfather, Fred Trump Sr., hated her mother, who blamed for Fred Trump Jr.'s drinking, court papers say. Her aunt, the president's sister, once accused Ms. Trump and her brothers in a legal deposition of being absentee grandchildren. Even when Ms. Trump shared Christmas with her family, her grandfather was often annoyed by what she took to be her disrespectful nature. Her crime, court papers say, she showed up wearing a baggy sweater. Uh, Ms. Trump's status as an outcast culminated in 1999 when Fred Trump Jr. Jr. died, and she discovered that she and her brother had been cut out of his will, depriving them of what they believed was their rightful share of untold millions. You get the idea. And it, and it goes on and on and on. Our number, 855 is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am an avid reader. At any given time, I have multiple books going. Right now, I'm reading a book called Appeasement, about leading up to World War II. I'm rereading Joseph Heller's Catch-22. I'm reading John Grisham's, uh, his new one, uh, Camino Wins, which is kind of a fun one. And, um, oh, I've got the John Bolton book, which is kind of a tough slog. But I, I'm I'm reading all four of those books contemporaneously. There, You know, stuff like this just has absolutely no interest to me. Would you buy a book like this? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line we discuss in just a moment. My answer is, you know, you know, the, the, the siblings or, or whatever that, that want to make some money by writing a book and trying to air dirty laundry from the family, it's like, you know, really? And if you want to do it, Get it off your chest, that's fine, but I, I just have no interest in this. And you know what? I didn't have an interest in reading some of the exposés that came out about Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton or any of that. It's just, you know, some some of this family drama, and all families have some degree of drama, obviously not. It doesn't sound like as much as the Trumps, hopefully. But at the same time, who wants to spend money to for this, no matter how much you love or hate Donald Trump are you really going to spend money to read something like this? 855-616-1620. Would you? Not me. We're back in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Oh, and by the way, don't don't send me a text saying, don't you understand, Jeff, we really need that, that freeway expansion? Of course we do. I, I've understood that for, for years that, that we've needed it. Uh, I'm just saying. What happened before was that there was there was a limited pot of of money that that the state had, and it had to prioritize road projects. And before the fe- the federal government pays for a good portion of it, but the state had to come up with a large share. So there's a limited pot of money. Had all these other projects that were around, and that particular stretch was going to be a huge fight. Like I say, you had lots of the common council and as i recall the mayor that were against it there had been federal lawsuits that were filed by well let's see i have it right here the sierra club had filed a lawsuit against this you had um a number of other groups that had filed a lawsuit suit against it. i think at the time the naacp from milwaukee had filed a lawsuit against it um all arguing that you know there needs to be before you put money into the roads, you also have to put money into mass transit all that type of stuff it was just a mess. And so the Walker administration just said, hey, look, I, we've got X amount of dollars here. We want to get these projects done that are out there, and these are going to be politically easier. I'm just wondering how the politics of this has changed. Of course, the freeway needs to be expanded. It's a choke point. You have the freeway that's you know been rebuilt to the south. You have it rebuilt to the west. Of course, it, it's a choke point, and traffic has to be able to flow smoothly through the city of Milwaukee and through Milwaukee County. Of course you need to have it done. And if Tony Evers can figure out a way to pull this off, I would say, great, absolutely great. I'm just wondering whether all those groups that opposed these projects during the Walker administration have now come on board. And if so, why? All right. Mayfair Shopping Center, I think, is on the verge of going under. And I think Wauwatosa authorities need to get a handle on this. Let us review the bidding. Um, retailers in general are, are facing precarious times. You have malls that are closing down all over the country just because of the changing shopping habits. You add in COVID-19 and the fact that people don't feel comfortable going out, the fact that malls had been ordered closed by the government, the fact that a number of stores are going out of business, the fact that you have anchor tenants at shopping centers, like say Boston store, that have gone out of business. There's fewer and fewer things to attract people to go to the traditional shopping malls. So this is a troubled time if you are a mall developer, if you are a mall owner, Or if you are a retailer inside of the malls, you're trying your best to get people back into the malls so they feel comfortable shopping. Well, Mayfair has always, has always had issues with degrees of of violence for a wide variety of, of reasons. But, you know, if you think back over the years, you've heard this story or that story about how there's been, you know, gangs of kids that have been running through the malls creating problems, which is why they'd have a curfew policy in place that they apparently did not follow very closely. So it's had this you had this ongoing issue. But Mayfair is, I would argue, more fragile now than ever. It has been closed down, essentially, three times in the last couple weeks, including most recently yesterday, by a group of protesters, not really necessarily a large group. I mean, I'm not talking about thousands, but we're talking about tens who have been very, very vocal in showing up, in storming through the mall and forcing stores to close because, well, they're, they're trying to make a, a point. The, the protesters... I think people familiar with the story know that last February, there was a 17-year-old kid that was involved in an altercation with other kids out at Mayfair. The Wauwatosa police respond after being called by mall security. What happens is, according to the authorities, the 17-year-old is in possession of a stolen handgun, which he shoots, and then he turns and he shoots at one of the police officers. The officer returns fire and kills the kid. The family disputes the fact that the kid had a stolen gun in the first place and disputes the fact that there was that, that he shot I, I i don't know what the truth of the matter is it's under investigation by the district attorney's office um, and again, I, I don't know where that investigation is going to lead. I don't know if they're going to determine this to be justifiable or not. Mayfair Mall—the the stores were really not involved in, in this at all. This is a shooting that occurred in the parking lot at, at Mayfair, and yet you have all these protesters, which now, for three day, three separate times in the last two weeks, have stormed through the mall and have forced the mall to close for at least a little time, or sometimes a lot of times. They've also made a point of storming into the restaurant called the Cheese. Cheesecake Factory, which is on the perimeter of the mall. The Cheesecake Factory has absolutely nothing at all to do with the incident that happened in February, but for the fact that the shooting was in the parking lot at Mayfair outside the Cheesecake Factory. But otherwise, it has nothing to do with it other than the building is there. And again, for the third time yesterday, you had people storm into the the Cheesecake Factory and disrupt the the business. And then what ended up happening is there was apparently some some accident that was on some collision that was on the corner of Mayfair Road and North Avenue, which is one of the busiest areas here. And then you had the protesters that surrounded one of the cars that had an undercover police officer in it. And, and it's just, it just it becomes a mess. But but this is now again, the third time in a couple weeks, I was talking to a couple people last evening. And it was, it was interesting because the, the people I was talking to were suburban women who are the target audience for going and shopping at Mayfair. And every one of the women that I spoke to, and it was more than a couple, told me that they have no desire to go back to Mayfair anytime soon, simply because they don't wanna get caught up in all this foolishness. You know, they they don't want to be in the mall when a bunch of people come in storming and screaming through megaphones or bullhorns or, or whatever, and the stores have to close. They they don't want to be in a situation where they're they're suddenly you know trapped in a parking lot where there's now this huge police presence as you've got these protests. So I mean they were telling me they're just flat not going back. At least they're not going back for the time being, which is the last darn thing that the operators of Mayfair Mall and the retailers there want to want to have happen. It's also from my perspective from my I would think for the perspective of the the protesters. You know, completely and totally counterproductive. What do you gain by, I don't know, causing stores to close down? So the people that are working in these stores, who, let's say you're, you're working for commission, selling, you know, cell phones or something at one of the stores out there. So now the store is closed, so you can't, you don't have customers, you can't sell the cell phones, you can't make your commission. I don't understand how that makes anybody more sympathetic to the cause. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I really think the mall owners, the retailers, and the authorities, and that means not just the police, but it means, I don't know, the the elected officials in Wauwatosa, got to get a handle on this. You can, it's one thing, and look, I, I support peaceful protest, but it's another thing to allow people to come into, for example, shopping malls, or restaurants and essentially close those down day after day after day, and unless authorities wake up and wake up pretty soon, I think you're going to be looking at, well, you hate to say it, but you know Mayfair could easily become the next Northridge, and that's not in anybody's interest. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What are these effects that these protests are, are having on Mayfair? My answer is they are having an effect, and it's not a good one. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: Jeff Wagner on
1: WTMJ. Before we go to the phone line, here's a couple texts. Jeff, Mayfair has already hit the iceberg. Uh, it's taps for it. Well, I hope not. Jeff, I'm in the same situation as your friends. I'm a middle-aged woman and a frequent Mayfair shopper. I won't even consider going back before at least Christmas. Jeff, management at Mayfair better get a grip on the security if they want to succeed. I'm in the walk area, and it was just recently announced that the retail store that has been here for years, 45 years, Ben Franklin, um, ended up, you know, Closing, um, and it would be a shame to lose jobs. It provides so many different jobs. Um, Jeff, after what has been recently happening at Mayfair, I simply have no intention of ever going back. Hello, Amazon, Jeff. I live five minutes from Mayfair. I drive twenty minutes to go to Brookfield Square. It's not worth the hassle. Now, I I like Mayfair Mall, but but I, I will tell you these things are all these properties are are vulnerable that is just the reality and if you don't think there's going to be a safe shopping experience. Now, I mean, I don't know what the protesters are trying to accomplish. I, I've said that before. If it's to create chaos and try to hurt the mall, okay. But the, the protests have nothing to do with the mall. That That's what the bizarre thing is about this. What is And, and what is the mall going to do? The mall isn't going to charge the police officer who, who shot the 17-year-old. I mean, the, the mall is just where this thing happen and you're out there trying to destroy the businesses give me a break sue in cedarburg sue you're in wtmj
2: hi um excuse me i live around where northridge is and we used to shop that was the best place ever and then northridge and is mayfair is going to be the next northridge if they don't get rid of these gangs and these kids that going through the mall and causing trouble because if you don't feel safe shopping at the mall, you're not going to go. And that's what happened at Northridge. You know, people didn't feel safe and then certain gig stores left and all of a sudden you've got... It, it's in a spiral. Yeah, nothing
1: there. Yeah, no. Thanks. Now, of course, the Northridge dynamic was was different, and you had the the whole thing about the what was the guy's name, Jesse Anderson, who killed his wife at that TGI Fridays that was out there, and then you know falsely claimed that it was a couple, you know, uh, African American kids that did it. And that, that was all. That was a false thing. And, but but still, there there were real crime issues at Northridge, and and whether it was perception or reality, people felt uncomfortable going there, particularly suburban. Urban women—they stopped shopping there, and your point is exactly right, Sue. What happened is, okay, so your your one of your your main target audiences stopped coming. A lot of the stores ended up closing down, and then you get into this death spiral where there, there's then there's. A lot of stores have closed down, so there's nothing that attracts people there. Mayfair is not at this point now, but it, it it's getting close. And, I mean, I was stunned yesterday when I'm talking to, again, some of my female friends who are – and look, at a couple of them, tell you the truth, are, I think are probably – Sympathetic to the some of the overall protest stuff that's going out there, but they're just saying, "Look, we, you know, that we, we can get stuff anywhere." You know, I don't. We don't want to be, you know, at Mayfair trying to go and you know buy a blouse or something like that. When all of a sudden you have fifty or seventy-five or a hundred people with bullhorns coming in and forcing all the stores to close, and then getting in the middle of that, and 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 the mall doesn't have to allow that to happen, and the mayor and the common council don't have to allow it to happen, and the police don't have to allow it to happen. And so, you know, maybe it's time to start saying, OK, we're we're going to we're going to take back this this behavior. We're going to take back them all before things get out of control. If they're not already rain in Shorewood, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, I the corollary that I uh, that I drew from the experience of the young man being killed was uh what happened with red arrow park with dr hamilton and the starbucks people called you know the police on that man for you know doing whatever he was doing apparently he had some like mental health issues
4: right
3: and i think that you know there is a uh something to be said about the relationship between you know business uh you know like the sovereign you know whoever whoever you want to however you want to put it um and you know what's going on there so i mean like harassing people who are out to eat at the Cheesecake Factory you know what I mean I'm not gonna defend the specifics of it but I think that um, to just say that there's absolutely no relationship I, I don't think that that's a representation of the
1: truth well I mean I guess I mean other than that thing I mean other than the fact that it it the the incident happened in the mall it may in, in the parking lot I mean so you you've got but it wasn't the the, the protests right now are are geared at trying to get the officer who was involved in the shooting, get him fired and getting prosecuted. That, that's it. It's not like, it's not like, gee, this was a a guy that got beaten up in a, in a, in a store or something that was in Mayfair. And as far as the Cheesecake Factory, again, other than the fact that this is where the incident happened in, in the parking lot, it could have happened in the parking lot of, um, you know, Greendale High School, (laughs) you know, for, or Greenfield High School or, or or whatever, or it could have, You know, it's just the fact that the incident happened there. It's not like Mayfair had anything to do with this other than the fact that there was the ruckus in the first place. But I guess, you know, regardless, I mean, my my bigger point is what you 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 cannot allow this to, to go on. And if you have people that are disturbing the peace. And I think, you know, it's pretty clearly that's what happens. You walk into a shopping mall or you walk into a restaurant and you take it over and start screaming at people and doing things like that. You're at, at you know, at disturbing the peace and you're probably violating all sorts of other ordinances as well. Now, whether the police have been told to stand down. Or whether they're just making the decision that we don't want to engage because all that's going to do is enrage the protesters, and then they'll be even more intense, whatever the decision is, what they need to do, and this needs to start with the new mayor and members of the common council, and they need to recognize, hey look you know we'll we'll, we'll hear out these protesters if they want to come down and they want to speak at city call meetings, okay, that's fine, but we're not going to allow them to destroy one of the principal businesses in the Wauwatosa area. And that means that if you're going to decide you're going to move into the mall with the idea of trying to close it down, well, what's going to happen is there's going to be some consequences and you're going to be arrested and you're going to be cited. And if that makes members of this group unhappy, my response would be too bad, you know, too, too bad. You and I can't just decide. I mean, if 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 I decide, gee, I've got some issue with, I don't know, the Apple store at Bayshore for whatever reason. And I get five or six of my buddies and we decide we're going to go into the Apple store at Bayshore with megaphones and start screaming at people. Well, I I guarantee you. They're not going to put up with that, and it, it's not going to last for very long, and authorities will be called, and they'll be asked to leave, and if I don't leave, I'm going to be made to leave, and that's the way it should be, and the folks at Mayfair, again, need to wake up, because and unless everybody can get on board with this and recognize that by appeasing protesters who are intent on trying to destroy your business you're not accomplishing anything and I don't want to see Mayfair go the way of Northridge but I got to tell you I think there is a real risk in that And I'm getting a number of texts even more from people who are saying things like uh, Jeff I'm not a Mayfair shopper but I love Maggiano's that's the Italian restaurant I'm not going anytime soon um, yeah. Jeff, this is private property. Why aren't these people being charged with a crime for trespassing and or disorderly conduct? Um, if you follow this on social media, people have said they're disrupting commerce. Um, because they want to make things change. Well, okay, good luck with that. It's not going to change. All it's going to do is close some of those businesses there. Jeff, Mayfair is past the point of no return. It will close. Well, I hope not. I, I hope not. But unless authorities wake up, that's what the reality is going to be. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: My producer grew producing the show today and always, I swear the whole world has gone crazy, except you and me, and sometimes I even wonder about you. But but here's but here's the deal. All right, this this is the latest story. All right, this comes from Columbus, Wisconsin. Now, Columbus, Wisconsin is, of course. In Dane County, all right, which is I, I've always believed that if you if you took a you know, if if you took a a, a map of the United States and, and you put a bunch of marbles on it, every loose marble would roll to the west coast, except for a handful of those loose marbles that would stop in, in generally the Madison area. So here's the story. It is Columbus, Wisconsin. Columbus, Wisconsin. It is not named after Harry Columbus or Mark Columbus. It's named after Christopher Columbus. All right. No doubt about it. It's named after Christopher Columbus. Now, as you go into the city of Columbus, Wisconsin, named after Christopher Columbus, there is, wait for it, a statue not of Vince Columbus or Harry Columbus or Mark Columbus. It is a statue of Christopher Columbus there because, hey, he's welcoming you to the town of Columbus for which it is named after. Um, That statue has been there for three decades. The statue is now coming down. After more than 30 years, the Columbus, give me strength, Common Council Council, Voted four to one yesterday to remove the statue from its current location and to put it in storage until officials can figure out what to do with it. So now what, what is the motivation behind this? Why does the town named Columbus have to take down the Columbus statue? Well, it's because a, a Columbus high school student started a petition recently. I'm um, following the death of George Floyd. Now, I, as near as I can tell, Christopher Columbus had nothing to do at all with the death of, of George Floyd. But, but, the kid starts the petition that got signatures um here's what the child the kid says many of us are taught in school that christopher columbus was an heroic explorer that paved the way for europeans to move in america in reality he was a terrible man who caused centuries of pain and suffering for native americans um let's see at the meeting all right, somebody where they had this somebody in somebody stood up and and said essentially have we gone nuts? Said, um, <laughs> look, we're we're in favor of keeping the statue because Christopher Columbus is and was a very decent, strong pro Native American person. He's a hero. We have to be proud of that. If we go ahead and in a panic mode strike down everything like what's happening in this country, we may be sorry for it. Later, um, the high school student said, well, I don't know if Columbus is responsible for atrocities, but he definitely set a precedent for how our country treated millions and millions of Native Americans. And so they decided to take down the statue and then figure out what to do with it. You, you listen to this craziness, and, and that's what it is. You listen to this craziness and you wonder, OK, where, where are we going fr- from here? If you're going to take down the Columbus statue, it seems to me you also have to name change the name of of the community. I mean, if it's if it's polarizing and Columbus was this awful historical figure and and you can't put the statue of him up in Columbus, Wisconsin, what seems to be pretty clear then that you, you you can't by that same logic be Columbus, Wisconsin. So isn't that what the dialogue is going to be? What's this all about this statue? Don't you have to change the name of Columbus High School? Don't you have to change the name of Columbus, Wisconsin? And while we're at it, while we're at it, the controversy, you know, of course, doesn't stop with with Columbus. Um, the conflict extends, and the controversy extends to, I don't know, people like like James Madison, for whom, because Madison, of course, was a slave owner, um, James Madison, for whom Madison is named after. So, I mean, at, at some point in time, if we've got to take down the Columbus statue, and we've got to take down the Abraham Lincoln statue on, on Bascom Hill, and we've got to take down the, the statue of the guy that fought for abolition in the Civil War, and we have to take down the, the statue forward that's designed to promote women's suffrage to recognize women's um, suffrage. Uh, okay, how, how can how can we have how can we have Madison as this state's capital? I mean, what is the logical endpoint of this? No, don't ask me that, because, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows what that, that's going to be? Are we going to change the name of, of Madison to, I don't know, Frank or something? Here are, I pick a name. But But this idea of trying to whitewash our history and feel that we have to apologize for, in this case, Man who, at least in many people's minds, discovered, you know, North America. All right, we, we, we can't recognize Christopher Columbus and we can't recognize Abraham Lincoln. And God knows we can't have a, a elementary school named after George Washington in Walwatosa. I mean, at what point in time do we just, like, kind of put up our hands and look at the people who are promoting these ideas and the counter, and the cancel culture and say, just enough is enough. You know, we, we appreciate that there are are real issues. There's real issues with racism. There's real issues with how, you know, Native Americans have been treated. And let's try to figure out constructive ways to move from that and try to address some of those concerns in real world ways. Things that really make a difference, not things like, oh, let's take down the statue of Christopher Columbus that greets people who enter Columbus, Wisconsin, Give me strength. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: So glad to have you with us. One quick correction. Actually, Columbus, while it's in the Madison Metropolitan District, um, it's actually... And it's it's very it's close. It's like 20 some miles away from from Madison. It's actually it's Columbia where the city Columbus is actually in a portion of Columbia County. But the principle is is the same. It's like an offshoot. Like I say, it's in the Madison metropolitan statistical area and obviously under the influence of the Madison types. If they want to change the name of the city, give me strength. All right. Um, the violence in the city of Milwaukee unfortunately continues unabated. Today uh, there were two more fatal shootings. One at 4.40 a.m. in the 3900 block of West Lloyd Street um, found a 28-year-old man dead when police responded. About four hours later in the 5600 block of North 65th Street, a 27-year-old Milwaukee man was also found uh, dead of a gunshot. Um, this now raises the the homicide total in the city of Milwaukee this year, and, and we're not even halfway through July. The number is 88. Just to give you some perspective on this, in 2019, for the entire year, there were 97 homicides. That's for the whole year. And here we are just a little over half of the year, and we're, we're at 88. Um, so, you know, the next... And who knows at this rate, you know, you'll you'll hit a 100 in the next week or two. Hope that's not the case. But it's just it's a shooting gallery out there. And and these are just the homicides the the number of of shootings that don't result in death are up dramatically as well. It's just all skyrocketing, you know, in the city that the violence is just absolutely unprecedented at this rate. You are probably, and again, if the homicide rate doesn't slow down, we're all hoping it does, but if it doesn't slow down, you're going to be looking at more homicides this year. You're going to have to go back to the early 90s, like 30 years to find as many homicides. And that was back in the days where you had like the crack cocaine wars, where you had rival street gangs that were were pushing um, crack cocaine, and, and what would happen is they, they'd get into fights with each other, and they'd the, the response was, "Hey, that's my corner, not your corner." And people would run by, and they'd shoot each other, and then half the time they, they'd they'd say, "Oh, so and so is living at this house. Let's go shoot it up," and it wouldn't even be the right house, and, and so you had the skyrocketing numbers. But it, it's it's a shooting gallery out there. The violence is just incredible. Now I, I bring this up for for two reasons. First of all, I think it's It is disappointing to me that at a time where crime is absolutely out of control, and I'm talking violent crime, not just other forms of crime, which are up as well, but violent crime is absolutely out of control. You have elected officials, including people in the Common Council, who are pushing to defund the police department. Now, some people who say defund the police department, that's exactly what they mean. They mean defund it. Let's do away with the the police department. There's some activist out in Madison I was watching saying, I've got this five-year plan to get rid of all the cops. Yeah, good luck with that. All right, other people don't mean, they don't say, well, defund the police doesn't mean defund the police. It means give them less money. So let's cut the budget by 10 or 20 or 30%. At, At a time where you have people dying Like flies on the streets of Milwaukee, who in their right mind would think it would be a good idea to put less money into police departments. I mean, seriously, but but for some reason, nobody, no elected official is willing to stand up and say, this is absolutely crazy. This is the last time. This is the last point that you would want to have fewer police officers on the streets. And it's not a question of, you know, can, can policing be better? And it's not a question of, you know, do we need to work so the police are more sensitive to the needs of certain parts of the community or whatever? Of course, that, that's all well and good. But you're going to do it with less cops? Have you no clue at all as to what is going on the streets? How many homicides will it take? How many murders? How many shootings? shootings is it going to take before people realize that you, you need cops and you need a, a lot of them? Because right now you've got violence that is out of control. So that that's point number one. And by the way, I believe either tonight or tomorrow, the, the chief is going to be getting a review with the Fire and Police Commission. And, um, I mean, people I know are telling me that the, he, he's going to be on the hot seat, um, because people are going to be, well, you know, they, your, your officers used tear gas on people when they tried to take over the freeway during these protests. Well, okay, m- maybe, We we should be spending more time concentrating on, you know, why it is that violence is so out of control in the city of Milwaukee and what the police need to do, need to have in order to do their job. So that's that's number one, that two more homicides were up to 88 already. And like I say, all of last year, it was only 90 something. So 97 last year. Okay, that's issue number one. Number number two. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in in just a little bit. But What is the Common Council obsessing on right now when you have this, this record type of violence? Well, they're obsessing with, first of all, passing rules that make it more difficult for the police to obtain surplus military equipment so that they they might be able to get quicker access to tear gas when they need to dispel large groups of people um make new rules that make it more difficult for them to buy surplus military equipment so gee we got some armored trucks so if people are acting up and they're looting and they're rioting um we we want some equipment so maybe the officers aren't exposed to as much danger if they have to get in the area yeah that's what they're worried about and and they're also worried about passing what would be one of the most, if not the most, restrictive mask ordinances in the country, which would require people, and again, I don't think this is gonna happen, because I think even the mayor and a majority of members of the Common Council, even if they might be sympathetic to the idea of a mask thing, they recognize that the, the, the resolution that was introduced is just Nazi cuckoo. Um, a mask thing that requires people to, you know, wear a mask every time they're outside, if they're golfing or if they're bicycling or if they're riding on a motorcycle or they're walking their dog, anytime they might come within 10 yards of people, you have to wear a mask. If you would put this into a place, I assume that, for example, when the Brewers return at the end of the month, um, we'd make the Major League Baseball players wear masks because they're, you know, they're outside and they're certainly within 10 yards of other people. I'm, I'm just saying it's this it's regardless of how you feel about masks you You could, I, I think, craft a mask rule which would be reasonable and acceptable to the majority of people. What they 're considering doing in Milwaukee right now isn't it's just flat out nutsy cuckoo. But again the the bigger picture of this is the whole idea of you've got people dying. In what could be, you know, 30 year record numbers. And we're we're spending time worrying about, gee, you know, wh- who's going to enforce this? Gee, so and so is out on. Th- we can't stop people from killing each other and shooting each other. But we're going to target the person that's walking their dog at seven o'clock at night without wearing a mask because they might pass somebody on the sidewalk. And you want to talk about just whacked out priorities. And, and it's so frustrating is there's nobody saying this. You know, the, the mayor isn't standing up and saying, okay, OK, we've got to concentrate on what's really important here. And, and yeah, we want to control COVID-19. And and yes, maybe we can come up with some sort of reasonable thing that encourages people or even requires people to wear masks indoors or whatever. But, you know, here we're, we're going to worry about trying to enforce a mask rule on somebody that's walking along the lakefront at the same time gee, we can't stop people from killing each other or shooting each other. Huh. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: So very glad to have you with us. All right, let's talk coronavirus. The, the bad news is... That the new cases of COVID-19 in Wisconsin and in many areas of the country are increasing, in some cases increasing dramatically. Uh, the, the quote unquote good news, and I put that in air quotes, is that the, the groups where this is increasing most dramatically are people under the age of 40, and in particular, people under the age of 30. Now, why is it it. Compar- Nobody wants to get this. We all understand that. But why is it comparatively? If you're going to have one age group that gets it as opposed to another, it's because, well, in Wisconsin, for example, 70% of the deaths occur in people over the age of, of 70, Um. And five percent occur um, uh, under the age of fifty. So your your chances of surviving COVID nineteen without having a really bad outcome it, it's much greater if you're younger. That's just what the st- statistics show. It's not to say that you you can't find some twenty eight year old that has a reaction and dies because because that's the case that has happened. But it's not statistically where the likelihood is. It's also I, I think. And it's reflected in the fact that you've got the younger people who are getting it. The fact that despite the fact you've seen a a spike in the numbers of people who are getting it, and again, now it's over a quarter of the people that have it are under the age, I believe, of 30 – um, might be under the age of 40, um, but but regardless, it's it's younger people. Uh, currently, there there's 254 people hospitalized for COVID-19 in Wisconsin, which is well below the capabilities of the hospitals in, in, the, in Wisconsin, and it, it's been a stable number, and I think one of the reasons why that number has been stable, again, is the people who are getting this tend to be younger, and the, the symptoms are not as bad, which doesn't mean that that anybody wants to have it. It just means that the healthy 30-year-old who gets it is less likely to have a bad outcome than the 85-year-old person who ends up getting it. And it's also, it's not surprising if you want to figure out, you know, why why it's spiking in this age group. I, I'm looking at a, a study survey that just came out from the Center for Disease Control, and, and what they did is they, they, they surveyed people 18 to 24 about coronavirus, and they found that uh, 70%, 70% said they were not consistently staying six feet away from other people. And so I think that that's pretty clear. What you see is you have particularly younger people who are going out, and they're going to parties, and they're going to clubs, and they're going to house parties, and they're exercising in gyms, and they're having conversations in bars, all those areas where it is more likely to spread than if you're in an outside sort of situation. In addition, I I think that a lot of people who are Older, and I'm lumping myself into that category. I don't consider myself old. A lot of people who are older recognize. Well, that you have to be smart about this, and we're we're maintaining social distancing and if not wearing masks all the time, we're wearing masks when we think we're like in those inside situations, and we're not going to parties with a hundred people you know maybe maybe we go out to dinner and sit on a patio with another couple, but we're not throwing ourselves into a you know a two hundred person party, and as a result. You're smarter about it. You're more cautious, at least, and so you're less likely to come down with this. So that's kind of the background. The numbers, uh, again, increasing. Good news on deaths has been that in the last, up until yesterday, there, 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 I think we went three or four days with no reported deaths. Yesterday they, they had nine, but still, it's it is not spiking. The number of deaths and the number of hospitalizations aren't spiking like the numbers of, of reported cases are. So that's kind of the background on on where we are right now and a lot of officials are trying to grapple with, okay, what, what do we do about this? Recognizing that we're we're not going to be able to shut down the country again and permanently and also recognizing that COVID-19 is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. I want to take your temperature, no pun intended. 855-616-1620 That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We do this periodically. Maybe once a week once every two weeks given the latest numbers and and given who's getting sick I am legitimately curious on a scale of one to ten with one being I could care less I'm heading out to the rave for the party and ten being I'm afraid to go out of my house I am cowering in the basement um, I've got my supplies for the next four months because I'm definitely afraid that I'm going to get it and I'm going to die. That would be 10. Where are you on that scale? 855-616-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. How concerned are you that you are going to come down with coronavirus? 855-616-1620. I'm I'm kind of where I was last week. I'm I'm sort of a three on on my scale. I think you need to be smart. I'm not rushing to large group activities. I don't have any intention to do it. At the same time, I, I'm not hesitant to go out and and have a meal at a restaurant that I I know. Um, I, I'm not hesitant to go over to other people's houses or have people over to to my house. Um, I, I'm I'm living my life. But at the same time, I recognize you have to be smart. I'd be about a three. Where are you? 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: <laughs> Here's a text. Jeff, over the Fourth of July holiday, I witnessed a group of people on a pontoon boat passing around a beer bong. I'm not surprised the pandemic <laughs> continues. I, I, It's not funny, but I mean you the, the reality is too you i mean you can't fix stupid that that's that's part of you know the problem that's out there and and yeah if if you want to get a bunch of people together on a pontoon boat and pass around a, a beer bong uh and somebody ends up being sick you yes there there is pretty a good chance that you're you're going to you're going to get it okay let's start with Mike and Madison Mike on a scale of 1 to 10 where are you <laughs>
3: All right. I'll start the law entry today. Uh, I'm personally a one. I have absolutely no concern about this. And, but, you know, I'm in my forties. I'm in good health. My family's in good health. I got little kids. It's just statistically not a concern. Now, what we do though is we're really sensitive to honoring, you know, other people's perception, right. perception, right or wrong. Yeah. And then also businesses. And that if we think we're going to head into a situation where we're going to be around my folks or around somebody else that might be in that, um, you know, high risk category, yeah. we'll, we'll start playing it out almost in that kind of three to five range. We just start to, you know, we'll actually just do things just, just to be sure, you know, cause we just don't know. But I mean, personally, this, I mean, I bet that it doesn't support in my mind, you know, this hysteria for people in my group and in my kind of health situation. But so that's pretty much where I'm at.
1: Good enough. That, well, I, and I, I understand. And, and by the way, I, I understand the rationale that you're, that you're talking about and again. No, nobody wants to, to get this, but, and I understand that there's some people. As a matter of fact, I got, just I got a text from somebody who's convinced that anybody that gets it is going to die. <laughs> Pretty much, that, that's sort of it. And 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 that's not what the statistics show, anyways. But it doesn't mean that you should be going out of your way to try to catch this. But I know precisely what you're, you're talking about. I mean, obviously, our approach to things varies depending on who we're around. I mean, I've told this story before. I have um, I have a very dear friend who is in his 80s who um, has some other health issues. And I, I haven't, we, we've gone over to their house, I think, once or twice. We've sat outside on the patio and we've been, trust me, social distancing. You know, we we haven't been close because I, I think I'm healthy. I don't think I'm carrying any of this. But the last thing I would ever want to do is inadvertently, you know, infect in my my friend who's in this very vulnerable age group. So, you know, I've tried to be smart in in that fashion. I have another very close friend who's you know in his seventies who has some respiratory issues and I, I I'm not sure we've even seen each other during the the course of, of this whole thing so yeah if I know I'm going to be around people who are in a particularly vulnerable way wait, I'm I, I'm going to be on increased awareness but at the same time while I don't want to get it I, I'm not I'm not at this oh my gosh everybody who gets it is going to die because the truth is. Most people who get it don't die. And we we know who those target groups are, but nobody wants to get it. You just want to be careful. Um, Let's talk to Yvonne in Milwaukee. Yvonne, you're in WTMJ. Hello.
5: Hi. It's nice to talk to you. Thank you for calling. Well, I'm 68. Thank you. And I've had eight personal people I know. Some ever since childhood die from this. All males. And so I'm at a five, and I guess maybe I should be higher, but I've gone to two restaurants and eaten inside, but their owners I know yeah. and I appreciate, they're doing a 25% in that. Even back when it first started, I've always had sanitizer and wipes in my purse. That's mm-hmm. just the type of person I've always been. So the mask are something, you know, I'm styling them, I'm wearing them, the Bucks, the packers, the ones who go to the outfits and whatever. Uh, the only thing people don't get to see is my passion for my lipstick, and that's okay. <laughs> that's... When they see my nails, they know my lips are the same color.
1: But the bottom line uh, is, Yvonne, you're, you're living your life, but you're you're being careful about it.
5: Yeah, I guess I'm being more careful than the 20- and 30-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. well, I right. go out and never wear my mask. I wear my mask everywhere, even when I get to the restaurant. Then I take it off, I have my food, and I put my mask back on, mm-hmm. and then I'm back out doing my thing. Uh, we have a large family. I've not gone to gatherings yet. There's going to be a, a one for graduation Saturday, but I have one niece. Who is having a uh,
1: wedding in Atlanta, and I bowed out. Yeah, I under, no. I had to. I
5: just no, I, I, I'm Yvonne, not comfortable no. getting
1: on that plane. No, thanks to calling, and I believe me,
5: going into a hotel. Yeah, no, thank
1: yeah. no, thanks to call, but I And by the way, I I I understand that. I mean, I I have no desire to rush back into large crowds or concert environments or things like that. Jeff, I'm a three. I'm really not concerned that much. I live my life to the fullest. Life is short. Um, will I go to a concert? No. But will I do other things? Yes, I, I'm just, um, you know, using my head. Um, Jeff, my spouse works in a hospice. That's a special type of person that does that and has patients that have recovered from COVID. Actually, none of them have died from COVID. I'm a score of one. Well, I, I mean, You don't want to take this for granted. Jeff, I'm a two. I'm a school administrator, and it is time for our kids to get back to school and move on to learning. We can re-educate them about proper sanitation measures and take prudent measures in our schools, but we've got to um, let faith, override our fear, and use common sense to get us back on track. Jeff, age 36, um, uh, you never know when your time is going to come. Wash your hands and just be careful. I am not afraid. Um, Let's see. uh, Jeff, Number one, living life like pre-coronavirus. Ten, living in a bunker off the grid. My wife is a nine. I'm a seven at her urging. The only people she's comfortable seeing are her son and daughter-in-law who had coronavirus and are recovered. Um, She had started having groceries delivered. I know personally know four or five people who have had it. One in our extended family has apparently passed away from it. Um, I'm, by the way, 67 waiting for my test results. Um, let's see, uh, Jeff, I'm a garbage man who's worked every day and not missed the day. Um, there are over 100 drivers who pick up the trash all the time. Um, I'm not concerned about this. Um, interesting, Jeff, I'm a zero. I'm a truck driver who've worked every day. All right, let's talk to Jim in Oconomowoc. Jim, you're on WTMJ.
3: I'm a, I'm a one to a zero I think it's vastly overblown yes people have died from it people have died from the flu previous years it's uh it's just it's overblown it's it's uh, these masks ordinances in Madison, ridiculous there are really no effective masks that do anything people are rushing out to buy surgical masks surgical masks are exhale masks they are not inhale masks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are meant for the doctors and nurses not to spread germs to a patient's open wound. Yeah, well, They you, do nothing.
1: Well, well, John, I don't want to, I don't want to get so sidetracked on masks because that's, that's another conversation out. But, I mean, my understanding is, to, to your point, the, the reason people are encouraged to wear masks is for exactly what you're saying. It's to not infect other people, um, the, for, for exactly that. So if you're, if you're sick or you are, um, infected but are asymptomatic, so you don't know you're sick, the idea is you don't go into a store and breathe on other sort of people. So I, again, I, I, that's what the purpose of, of the mask stuff is. And I understand to an extent why You know, why stores, for example, require people to wear masks. And if that's the store and I want to go into it, I'll do it. I I have issues with some of these mask rules as well, including in Milwaukee, where if you're outside and you're within 10 yards of somebody, they want you to put on a mask. Well, I I, show me the statistics that prove that that's a likely source of infection, especially given the fact that we're being told that all those people hanging out outside without masks in the protests did not lead to a spike. I mean, I'm just saying, show me the stuff that ends up making making sense. Prove to me that that that's going to really reduce the thing. And then, of course, in Madison, where they're saying, even in your your own home if you invite guests in you have to require them to wear masks i just flat think that's government overreach but you know we'll talk about the particulars of mask rules because i do believe you could craft a mask rule that would make sense and would be reasonable for people to follow but reasonable is not a word you hear a lot nowadays unfortunately back with more in just a couple minutes this is jeff wagner
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. All right. The big news today has been that uh, Governor Evers, of all people, has decided that he wants to try to revive the I-94 expansion between downtown Milwaukee and, and 70th Street. This is, of course, one of the, the busiest sections of freeway in the entire state. It's also become a choke point because what's happened is we expanded the freeways from Milwaukee down to the, the state line. We've redone the zoo interchange, so you have freer-flowing traffic now. As a matter of fact, uh, it, it took me a little while to figure out... To, to appreciate, I think what a good job the engineers really did on the Zoo Interchange. But once you get used to it, I mean, I, I think it's just absolutely great. But it, it is—it's a choke point. Um, that, that area between on I ninety four between Sixteenth Street and and Seventieth Street. This was a prior- priority for a number of years. But what what happened is in the later stages of the Walker administration, we had all these different demands for 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 road building. And there was a limited pot of money that was out there, and so what happened was the the in, in the environmentalists and some urban groups and whatever have long been opposed to the rebuilding the, this freeway between 16th and 70th Street. And there had already been a lawsuit that was filed. And what happened is the Walker administration just took a step back and said, "Look, we 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 we've got to get projects going." and we've got a limited amount of state money that's around, let's put the money into the zoo interchange. Let's put the money into expanding the freeway down to the state line, and we can get that done. Whereas if we go in and we try to tackle expanding the freeway between 16th and 70th Street, what's going to happen is we're going to get tied up in litigation for, for years. Let's just get it done. And let's get the other stuff done and let's put this on hold. Governor Evers now apparently wants to revive this whole idea. They're they're not coming out and saying what design they would like to see. But, you know, what they had pretty much settled on, I, I think, before and where I suspect they're going to go is they're going to rebuild the freeway, four lanes either way. But because you've got um, some space concerns, because you've got the cemetery that, that's out there, um, what you're going to see is, I, I think, four lanes, but the lanes are going to be narrower than your, your previously existing lanes. So that that's not an ideal situation but it's it's probably the best situation that you can come up with if you do this you're going to have jobs for somewhere between five and ten thousand people because it's going to be a major project and when it's done if it ever gets done it, it should help ease the traffic flow because if you've ever driven that stretch um, one way or the other particularly at rush hour and it, it's it's dicey at best but you have a collision or you have bad weather, and it just becomes an absolute and total parking lot. Our number, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, Unless attitudes have changed because it's now Tony Evers who's the governor instead of Scott Walker, I I don't know that a lot of the anti-freeway types um and some of the environmentalists, I don't know what's changed over the last couple of years to make them want to buy into this when they were suing last time around. Nevertheless, I- I'm glad to see, and you can mark the tape on this, I'm glad to see Tony Evers taking this challenge back on again because it's clearly, at least in my opinion, it's something that needs to be done. And for anybody who drives that stretch on a... Relatively regular basis. My guess is you've got nothing but horror stories. 855-616-1620. That's the Aconet Mortgage talk and text line. Okay. Is this the last piece of the puzzle? Do we need to go back and revisit freeway expansion? Um, at, at some point in time, they talked about like, like a double decker freeway. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, that's, that's a whole new kettle of fish, but I think most likely four lanes each way, narrower lanes, but but while that's not ideal, I think it's a worthwhile thing. If you commute on the stretch, does that road need to be expanded? And by the way, I, I see us getting nothing but busier. I understand some people still have these kind of mass transit dreams out there and let's get people out of cars. I just don't see that happening. And by the way, especially, you know, in the aftermath of COVID-19, um, I, I think people are going to be more reluctant than ever to get into mass transit sort of situations. Okay, let's start with Dennis in Milwaukee. Dennis, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dennis. Um, Jeff, count me among the anti-freeway crowd. Um, The stretch that you talk about between 70th and 16th Street may have been busy at one time, but since the Canova virus, and with more people working from home, that section of the freeway is not crowded i i live right outside the i live in the story hill neighborhood mm-hmm. and uh... during during the virus when i went on my walks I would go down there and look at the traffic uh... between four and six and there just isn't the congestion anymore and i i i think even with the end of the virus you're going to have p- more people working from home which will mean the that the lesser traffic pattern is going to continue so um my position as well as the Story Hill Neighborhood Association position is to rebuild the freeway without any additional lanes um
1: uh, because your theory is that these projections that we had that that show that the traffic is going to increase that that's those aren't viable anymore because people aren't going to be there's not going to be as much commuting
3: that's i guess that's the main reason because i think uh, even when the the uh, vaccine is discovered and We kind of get back to normal. I think you're going to have more people working from home.
1: Mm -hmm. I think think there are going to be more people working from home. I don't think there's any question about that. I think um, employers are going to be looking at that. At the same time, you know, the – before coronavirus, the objection, you know, people who were kind of the anti-freeway group were were saying, okay, we we need to get the money into mass transit. We need to get more people on buses and stuff. That, of course, I think is mass transit. I I think one one of the things we've seen after COVID-19 is if you look at some of the the places that really were incubators for this, and it, it was the mass transit. It was the, it was the, the, you know the buses. It was the subways. It was the, the L's, and I think it's going to be a long time before people get back on that. We, just as an aside, I was, um, I, I, I for some reason, I guess maybe it was kind of where I was going when I went to my dentist and coming back, or I in the last, in the last eighteen hours, I've seen more buses go by than I think I've seen in the entire time, and I swear I don't know that I saw one bus with one person on them. They've all got the thing saying. 10-person uh, maximum on them. And I'm sure there are some people riding buses, but my guess is not a lot. And my guess is partly it's because of what Dennis was talking about. Maybe people aren't commuting as much. Uh, the other reason is I think people are are reluctant to get into mass transit situations, 10 people or, or otherwise. I, I don't understand how the bus company, candidly, it, it can continue to run the buses if you're If you're only, if you can only allow 10 people on the bus and then, you know, three quarters of the time it's not close to even that 10, how, how can you continue to subsidize that? Okay. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. I, I'm not sure if, if you want to, as part of, as part of the the consideration for the the freeway, if you want to do a new study, um, trying to figure out, okay, what are traffic patterns going to look like post, coronavirus? Are are people really not going to be using the roadways? I, I guess that's fair. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. And, and candidly, I think once we get past coronavirus and once we get past some of the concerns, I think you're going to probably see more usage than ever. Although I do concede that there is going to be some employers who maybe might not be bringing their employees back. 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do we need to expand the freeways? Is Governor Evers on the right track? We continue the conversation in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, our last caller was making the point about he he was he was arguing that we we don't need to freeway expansion because uh, what's going to happen is as a result of what we've been going through for the last several months, more and more employers are are just going to rethink the whole concept of an office. And do people need to commute to come into work or or should we just allow people to work at home? And I, I I do think there's a point at that because I think some employers are finding out that, you know, our employees can be just as productive if you allow them to to work at, at home as if you were instead of you know, requiring them to come into an office every day. And of course, from the employer's perspective, the issue, if that is in fact the case, it's well, okay, what do we really need three floors in some high rise office building for all the employees? Or can we get just as much productivity, if not more, by, you know, allowing half of the office staff to, to stay home and then um get in a situation where we don't need three floors. We only need one floor or whatever. I I think those are all going to be issues that people are going to be playing out. There's there's another interesting facet as well that, that's kind of been brought to a head by coronavirus. It's been going on for a while. And and that's it's reflected in a story today. Brooks Brothers grew you've heard about Brooks Brothers? Brooks Brothers, Brooks Brothers is what I would describe as a high-end men's clothing store, and it's been around for over two hundred years. Um, and, and again, if you if you're thinking about Brooks Brothers, if you've never been in a Brooks Brothers store, think about classic suits, um, polos for casual Fridays, you know, Oxford dress shirts, but but expensive. I mean it's you, you go into Brooks Brothers and, and you're gonna be dropping a bunch of money for suits. Now back when I wore suits, I um I, I always believed in buying good suits. I just I learned early on when I started to practice law, I went out and I bought a couple of these cheap suits and I, I just I it was kinda like you know you buy these cheap suits, and they they never fit right, and they don't last long, etc. so early on, I decided okay rather than buy three cheap suits i'll save up i'll buy one suit and it's interesting because i I have suits that gosh i I bought a long time ago, so my lawyer suits, and you know other than having to alter them because my body has changed over time um they're they're still they're in style they're they're classic suits you could you could wear them tomorrow, but part of the deal was that you know. You used to use suit you needed you needed suits. I mean when I was practicing law you you wore a suit to work every day. My guess is you know for many other people who not just were lawyers but you know you 'd go to the downtown office buildings, etc and the standard wear for for men at least was you you'd you know you 'd wear a suit or you 'd wear a sport coat with a pair of dress slacks or something like that. Um, I understand you had Casual Fridays, but even Casual Fridays was, you know, some some high end khaki pants or something like that. That was the nature of it. I, there was a store in downtown Milwaukee attached to the Fister called Roger Stevens. I loved Roger Stevens. It was it was again a high end men's store, but I that's where I bought most of my clothes. I I loved it. And there was, but what you said, Roger Stevens closed a couple years ago. A couple of the other high end men's stores around this area, uh, closed within the last year or two, Brooks Brothers in bankruptcy now. They say they're closing 50 of their 250 stores across the the country. And and part of the problem is that people people just aren't in a situation where they're they're buying those types of clothes anymore, at at least not – to the extent that they they did before. Now there's still some high- ends men's, men'swears men'swear places that are out there, but but they're dwindling because I, I think our tastes and our are, are, are changing. Um, more and more people aren't going into the office, which means you don't need, you know, you don't need the the high-end men's clothing. You, you don't need the expensive suits. Or, you know, maybe you can get by with one suit instead of having to have five suits because you're not wearing, you know, you're not wearing a suit every day. You don't need that rotation that maybe you did before. It, it's just the, these dynamics that are changing. And just like maybe the office buildings are going to change, I, I think our, our tastes are changing. I mean, I, I, I have, like I say, I have a closet full of, of suits, they are perfectly good suits, and most of them still fit me. Matter of fact, I've lost some weight, so if anything, I might have to have a couple of the suits that are that are taken in. But I I don't anticipate that I'm ever going to buy a suit again. I mean, I just I, unless unless I dramatically gain weight, which isn't going to happen, my wife's not going to let that happen, or I dramatically lose weight or something. I, I I've got I've got all the suits that I I need. I, I'm not going to be in a position because. If I need to wear a suit, I've got one to choose from. And I think there's a lot of people, especially in my age bracket or in my general age range, that are in that situation. You know, we're not buying new stuff. You have younger people who just don't have the need for it anymore. And as a result... You've got this whole changing style. People don't need, at least to the extent they used to, the product that Brooks Brothers is selling. So Brooks Brothers in in bankruptcy. It's another one of these changes that we've been going through for years and years, but maybe COVID-19 has kind of brought it to a head. So um, Brooks Brothers in bankruptcy, another high-end men chain. Brooks Brothers survived two world wars, um, not surviving the coronavirus. This is Jeff Wagner.
2: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock our time, the United States Supreme Court is scheduled to release its final series of decisions in the current term. What what happens is the, the court begins hearing terms with a first Monday in October, I think it is, and and then they have oral arguments and then they they have decisions and then they take essentially that the summer off, now we're already in the middle of July, but what's gonna happen is that the final batch of decisions, opinions that they have pending, are gonna be released tomorrow at nine o'clock in the morning, and then there won't be any more decisions or arguments in front of the Supreme Court until you know October of of this year. But the the case that people are watching closely is this case, um, the the, the last one that's out there that's big, is the effort by uh, prosecutors in New York and Congress to try to subpoena financial records including tax records of President Trump. Now th- this is it's an interesting case from a legal perspective because uh, typically presidents are immune from criminal prosecution during the, their term in office. All right, These subpoenas though are not directed at President Trump. For example, they're they're not they're not going to him directly and saying, okay, give us your, your tax returns or, or whatever. What they're doing is these are subpoenas that are issued to what we would call third parties. They, they went to his accountant, and they said, okay, these are these are the records that we want. And they requested all these records um, from... Uh, his accounting firm, et cetera, like if they would go to your accountant and ask for your tax returns. It's kind of a backdoor way of of getting them, but they're not seeking them directly from the president. So the argument is, well, well, first of all, that investigators should be able to conduct investigations. And it's different. It's one thing to investigate. It's another thing to bring charges. And then the second issue is, well, these are third-party subpoenas. They're not asking them directly from the president. So we're not having this constitutional crisis about what happens if the president refuses. Uh, the accounting firms that are involved, for example, they've taken the position that, um, you know, just tell us what to do. You know, we, if, if we're, you know, if we're obligated to, you know, turn over these these records. And it's not just his accounting firm, it's also the Deutsche Bank and, and Capital One Bank. Um, and they're looking for records, again, to try to, Congress is looking for records to try to see if there was, illicit financial dealings with the Russians and things like that. It, it's it's clearly a fishing expedition, or at least in my opinion, it's clearly a fishing expedition. But at the same time, it, it might be within Congress's power to do this. It's an interesting case because, on the one hand, you've got the the issue with President Trump. And I understand that there's folks out there that you know think President Trump is a crook, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and, of course, they should be able to go back and get all these records. All right. That's fine. But what you need to realize is that there's going to be a time, whether it's eight months from now or whether it's four years and eight months from now, that President Trump isn't going to be in office and there's going to be a, you know, President Biden or a President Kamala Harris or, or, or whatever. And. Once you start authorizing these kind of tactics, like Congress says, OK, I, I want to see all these financial. Let's say, you know, you've got a Republican House of Representatives and you're going to have that at some point in time in the future. Don't know when, but the Republicans going to take over the house again. That's what happens. You have pendulums and you've got a, a president, Kamala Harris, and you've got a Republican Congress that decides that they want to see all her financial records. And so they start subpoenaing all these things for years and years and years. And, and then you go off on these these sort of cycles. I bring that up only because it's what happens when you sort of, once you let the genie out of the bottle, the genie is out of the bottle, you can go broke predicting how a court is going to rule. My sense on this one is the Supreme Court is going to allow the subpoenas to be issued and and say that, um, that the banks and the accounting firm have to comply. And as soon as that order comes out, they will comply. And my prediction is within 15 minutes, somebody in the prosecutor's office or in Congress will then leak the records. And, you know, all this stuff about President Trump will be all over MSNBC. That That's my prediction as to what's going to happen. But like I say, you can go broke trying to figure out what the Supreme Court's going to do. But that's going to be, I think, the last major decision, especially one that's going to have some pretty significant, potentially, political ramifications if all all of a sudden, a couple months before the election, uh, President Trump, who for whatever reason has been unwilling to share his tax returns, um, now all that tax information gets gets dumped into the public. And like I say, if the court allows the subpoenas, that that's precisely what's going to happen. So um, interesting dynamic, and it'll be interesting to see what the court does. My guess is they're going to uphold the subpoenas, but that's just my guess. All right. We, we've been talking you know off and on today yesterday for the last several weeks about the whole idea of of reopening in in a coronavirus world and as we discussed earlier on today's show the there, there has been a spike particularly in in younger people who haven't been practicing the social distancing and things of the like and people have been rushing back and, and let's get into the party situation and all that. One of the things that we know. Is that COVID nineteen is more likely to spread when you're in in situations where you're surrounded by large numbers of people. That that's that that's just it. I mean, you're like the odds are if you've got somebody, the, the, the odds are if you're in a group of a thousand that you're going to run into somebody who may be an asymptomatic spreader is greater than if you're that you're going to run into that person and if you're a group of ten. Yeah, it it could happen, but it's just the odds. It's the statistics that are there. With this backdrop, a lot of major attractions have been closed. We're, we're we're having baseball without people in the stands. We're going to have basketball that's going to be played in a without fans in the stands in a bubble situation in in Florida. So we're we're not opening places where large numbers of groups will will go or large numbers of people will go. Well, on Saturday Walt Disney World in Orlando. And Orlando, Florida in general, is one of the current hotspots for COVID-19. Um, next to, and in, in Florida, if you look at the different areas, area number one is Miami, area number two, wait for it, yeah, it's Orlando. So, on Saturday, um, Walt Disney World in Florida is going to reopen. Now, they're going to have certain limitations. Um, what they're gonna do is parts of Disney World are gonna remain closed for for a while. So it's going to be limited as to the number of people who can come in. So the crowd size is gonna be limited from what it was, but but it's going to open. And there's gonna be a lot of people that are still gonna be there and they're gonna have the different lines and they're gonna try to maintain social distancing, but you're gonna be in a large group our number 855-616-1620 that's the Acunet mortgage talk and text line for a variety of reasons i'm not ready to go back to a place like disney world yet are you 855-616-1620 that's the accredited mortgage talk and text line particularly if i have to fly halfway around the country to go there and if i lived there maybe i'd have i'd be a little bit more willing to go but traveling, say, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to Orlando, Florida, over the weekend to go to Disney World, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. How about you? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: And by the way, if, if you are going to Disney World this weekend, be prepared. It's not the Disney World you're you're used to. Parades, fireworks, most indoor shows. Not happening. No opportunities to hug Mickey Mouse or the other characters. Everybody over the age of two is going to be required to wear masks. Everybody over the age of two. Disney's also taking temperatures, leaving seats empty on rides, etc., etc. Plexiglass partitions have been installed in shops and restaurants. So it's, it's a different sort of experience. For me, all those things... Plus masks in the Florida heat. It's probably, you know, it's probably ninety some degrees with a hundred percent humidity down there right now. I think I'm gonna pass on that. But that's just me. Let's talk to Kelly in West Bend. Kelly, you're first. Good afternoon.
2: Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So we are huge Disney fans. We go probably once or twice a year. And we were supposed to go in April, it was canceled, supposed to go in June, it was canceled. My daughter and I ended up flying down to Orlando and spent a week at the beach a few weeks ago. But if we were able to go to Disney, the only thing that would hold me back is the mask wearing. And it's only because um, when you're down there, like you said before, and it's 98 degrees <laughs> right. and you've got 98% humidity, that is not a fun experience. Right. Um, but other than that, I, I, I don't think that I would hesitate. Yes, it'll be a different experience. but with lighter crowds, it might be a somewhat more enjoyable experience, so I'd probably do it.
1: You see, I wonder, I mean, they're gonna control the crowds. I mean, you have to have reservations, so there's no walk-up sort of thing, but at the same time, they're also blocking off lots of rows of the cars and the things uh, like the roller coasters and things like that. So I I don't know that, you know, that that they're going to be able to handle more people. I I, I guess I don't, you know, Kelly, I guess I just think of all those things. And I think Disney World is going to be there next year and hopefully COVID-19 won't. And I I guess my inclination would be maybe I'm just going to wait it out.
2: Yeah, and and I would do it. um, It would probably be more enjoyable to do it maybe in the fall or the winter, summer. I certainly wouldn't want to go this weekend because <laughs> yeah. I think it just will be a pretty, pretty miserable experience overall. But um, what, I, yes, I, I, I don't know that it's ever going to go back to normal, and that's my concern.
1: What's your favorite park?
2: Uh, I, I'm torn. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty old school, so I think Magic Kingdom is still my favorite park.
1: Got it. Well, I think they I, I like. I mean, I I like them all. I've come to appreciate Epcot more over the years, and I always liked. Oh, what do they call it now? Hollywood Studios. And then, uh, but, but I kind of like the Magic Kingdom. I haven't been there in years. I, I, uh, my, my brother has the Disney World gene. And I think I told you I was supposed to go there in, uh, in June. We were supposed to go with my niece and my nephew and my brother and spend a week there. Cause there, there's rides that they put in that I, I, I'm not a big ride guy, but there's some rides that I've kind of wanted to check out since it's been a while since I've been there. But I, I think I'm going to wait. Let's talk to mike on the northwest side mike you're on wtmj hello
4: hi good afternoon jeff what do you uh, think my thoughts are i would i'm not going to go there uh to see the intro to the show and and not the show right uh and that goes for uh another point i have is uh i wouldn't do that for anywhere close by either but if there's something that's going to be open but partially open that i've been to before and that part is open i would go if I don't care about the other parts.
1: Right. No, I get, I know what I mean. No, I do. I I follow him. Thanks. I mean, I see, I'm sort of, I I said this, I'm, I'm sort of the same way for me. You know, Las Vegas is is Las Vegas to me is kind of like the adult Disney World. Um, but at the same time, I'm reluctant to go if it's just a partial experience. If all the stuff that I really like about Las Vegas you, you can only experience in kind of like dribs and drabs, I'm thinking, okay, well maybe I can wait a little bit on this. Let's talk to Paul in Illinois. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
4: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I. I am also a big Disney person. I've been to four of the parks throughout the world. And the thing is, Shanghai has been open for a a little bit of time now. They've had a chance to analyze the crowds and analyze the thing. I've I've been to Disney virtually almost every year in the last 30 years. You know, if I have to wear a mask, I'm good. We are scheduled, actually. We have our timeshare. We have our flights in October. And I'm good with that. My question is, what are they going to do now in in October that they're not going to do next year? Next year, they'll probably have more crowds. Right now, I think with less crowds, knowing Disney, I think it it would be a good thing to do. I don't think they're going to act irresponsible. They have too much at stake.
1: Oh, yeah, because that's so the, la- the last uh, thing they want is an outbreak. Let me ask you this, Paul. Are you? Did you get the, the like the roller coaster gene in your family? Do you, do you go with your kids or grandkids or just you and your spouse?
4: No, it's actually me and my children. We're not the roller coaster for people. You know, I'd rather go to Disney than Great America. Right. I think it's just a total total experience, and I think they'll still handle it. You
1: know well, right? Well, no, and you're right. So you're going. So that's great. I mean, thanks. I mean, again, I, I, I will tell you. I mean, I have a lot of concerns. I'm one of the reasons I am hesitant to travel. It's not necessarily that I'm afraid of being on an airplane or anything like that. Actually, forget necessarily. I'm not afraid of that. For me, it's more like all right, you, you get to a place, I, I want to have the experience. And I, I, I if, if like I've said before, if people want to have a mask rule, that's okay. I think business have a right to do it. At the same time, do, do I want to walk around in 95 degree heat, like I said, wearing a mask? The, the answer is no. I, I just don't want to do it. I, I understand why people are making that requirement. That would just take away a lot of the enjoyment of the experience. I like being around people, not necessarily around large lines, but if I'm going down to something and, and a lot of the stuff is closed it it makes me rethink my whole position on this i have no doubt that a lot of people are going to go down there and i have no doubt that it's going to be a success you know it's theme parks are such a big part of the disney company and especially in orlando disney is such a huge part of the local economy the sooner it gets back on track the better and even though i wouldn't be going I'm rooting for him to succeed. When we come back, we're going to. F- I'm rooting for these people to succeed too. We're going to find out what Melissa and John have on their minds for Wisconsin's afternoon news.